Hello, welcome adventurers to the ninth episode of The Travel Log, a podcast in which I, Stephen Hoffert, my pronouns are he, him, and Lily Lavin, she, her, will be diving into the world of Faerun from the Dungeons & Dragons tabletop role-playing game. We will go area by area, town by town, to provide a background of canonical lore, as well as suggestions on what type of encounters you can run in the area, or what type of characters you can create whose backgrounds are based in the area. Uh, we're changing course. We're going to go south down the tradeway onto southern Tathir. Lily, have you ever been sailing? Not really. Like, I've been on boats before. I've gone on ferries a whole bunch. I'm sure I've been on boats more than twice, but I can only remember maybe two times. And was it like a sailboat? We went with, uh, we went like camping with a friend from high school and we like put the inner tube on the back. I guess not a sailboat. Maybe one time. Every time I've been on a boat, it was when I was like six. Right, right. I've been on canoes. How about you? Yeah, I've, I lived for about a year, a year and a half on a traveling boat, a circus boat, where I was the sail rigger as well as I did like freak show stuff for the circus. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it, it it moved with sails yeah yeah it had one mast uh one main mast with hosted sail with a, a secondary mast in the back for uh, maneuvering and yeah it uh it could only do rivers though it can't do open open waters huh that's kind of interesting i always thought it was like a engined boat every time you've told me about this sailboat makes it uh, considerably more cool we're a bunch of hippie sailors so i don't think we could afford the gas if it was all powered by engine <laughs> So north of Waldath, before Brost, is the Tejarn Hills. These hills have always been defensively fortified, as it is the typical frontier between Om and Tithir. The hills are also known as the site of the former halfling realm of Myrtirin, and for the South Road. Yeah, okay, another little aside. But the reason there's so many halflings here is mm -hmm. that, I forget if it's around Riatavin or around Esmeltaren. I think it's Esmeltaren. It's actually the only straight-up country of halflings to ever uh. exist. Um, there might be another one. I think Lantan is gnomes, actually, with their um, whatever. And it didn't hold for very long because halflings, the reason halflings don't have countries is because they don't really care about a ruler and stuff. They right. just want to sit around with their pipeweed, right? And their wine. So they weren't unified enough as a country, is what I understood. Or they didn't, like, care enough about being doing country fortification things. But this mm. area used to have the only large-scale halfling country in right. it that then got disbanded when the humans and everyone came. That's why there's so many halflings. That, that's cool. That's cool. And, like... I was just thinking we should add that in there, why there's so many right. halflings here. Is Makes that, yeah. And the reason I didn't like that was because, like, okay, Skinner was the sewer leader of... The leader of the Thieves' Guild in the sewers in Esmeltaren. And he was cool. You know, he had his orange mutton chops and his battle axe and his scars all over his body. And he skinned people alive, which is why he called himself Skinner. But for the most part, like, for the first big city y'all were going to, halflings just aren't cool. <laughs> yeah. Halflings are what you use when you go to, like, a, a nice, quaint village. Not when it's just, like, oh, the first big city of the campaign. And then it's, like, everyone is small, and all of their names are Bumblebee Bratch Honey Whistle. <laughs> and it's, like, how am I supposed to make a cool quest around... It's, like, you know, you reach the lair in the Underdark underneath Deramar and Riatavin. You've gone through all the channels, and you've finally reached the lair of the Necromancer. He turns, and he looks at you, and he says, my name's Bran. Andy Wine Thistle Patch. <laughs> and it's like, okay. And he's like, and I'm not wearing shoes. And it's like, okay, seriously, what is this? But like, yeah, they're they're cute and they're quaint, but I do think you could subvert some 
expectations by having them kind of be like people if they think halflings they think hobbits kind of subvert expectations with like a ruthless merchant or someone who's a bit more capitalistic hated for its ruts sharp curves and hills these hills appear gradually not abruptly like the ridge but greatly slow all traffic passing through them they're considered superb terrain for traps ambushes and grill activity so this is like the perfect kind of natural defense for om against tithir uh expanding yeah that makes sense a little hilled area to put yeah. some uh, pit traps and stuff yeah i like the idea if you were to do a like om versus tithir war in your your campaign to have some sort of big battle happen here and have it be really like guerrilla warfare traps and make it like a really like instead of this big field of people fighting make it this real gritty trap filled like dungeon yeah slipping in the mud yeah make it almost like a dungeon like, yeah ambushes traps yeah, like that'd be pretty that could be really fun they'd be pretty sweet within these hills are the nine sentinels most ancient structures long ago became overgrown piles of rubble here but nine surviving towers dot the main tejarn hill these long abandoned garrisons were built by the Kalashite Imperial troops of the Third Age. Two are east and southeast of Keshel, four lie along the southern road between the eastern hill forts, and three are among the hills east, south, and west of Torbold. They were Spartan garrison posts with signal fire, braziers, and mirrors atop each other, each tower being visible from the nearest neighbor to allow signals to travel from the eastern frontier all the way to the now buried city of Xandar. Like many other ruins in the southern lands, they have lost their original names. They are only known by the titles given to them by Omnium Bard, who wrote the song about the ghostly signals from the night sentinels first of all the nine sentinels fantastic title second i love the idea of them having mirror roofs for signaling that's so cool that's so much better than just like big bonfires yeah no that's really cool to like aim it and so it's not seen by the wrong people yeah i i love that idea personally i think that's really cool and like yeah the beacons of gondor lit that all fun stuff but also i like the idea of like using this if you needed to like get some sort of yeah message across like kind of hearing about yeah, these. quite cool or like you could run a quest line where the nine sentinels have been taken over and you have to go one by one and liberate them. Ooh, yeah, that could be cool. And so, like, once you've liberated it, you send the mirror light signal back to the main camp, maybe situated in Brost or something, so that they can come and uh, hold it, fill it full of troops while you go on to the next one. Yeah, and, like, you need a small team to do it, so you d they, they don't uh, light their own braziers. Exactly. Yeah, oh, that could be really like fun. You're like, you're like a little spy strike force in the night, you know? Yeah. And then the people come in behind you to clean it up and keep hold of it. That'd be a sweet quest line. That'd be a really cool quest line. I want to do that. Also, do you think it's Tejarn or Tejarn? Uh, I don't know. Is is it? I always wonder with the J's. Because, yeah, it was, it was Spanish. Because it'd be like Spanish here almost, you know. Tejarn heels, yeah. Uh, Tejarn is kind of a cool name. I'll say Tejarn now. I like that. Cause... Also, if it was built by Kalamshan, you know, Tejarn heels. Tejarn heels. Yeah, I like that. We are coming to the Tejarn heels. Like, it could be, yeah, that's cool. I always wonder. I was so relieved when Jarlaxel was confirmed Jarlaxel and not Yarlaxel. Yarlaxel. <laughs> I prefer Jarlaxel so much more than Yarlaxel. I'm a Yarlaxel. <laughs> but yeah, Tayarn. Tayarn. I like, yeah, I'll start saying Tayarn. The Dark Rebout. This lonely, isolated manor house with high walls and a barricade gate fully blocks the pass between two of the larger Tayarn hills. The Kalachite-style architecture stands out among the rolling hill. Over 1,000 years later, the site was occupied by giants, goblins, and bandits of all races. Now, this lonely place has become the Dark Rebout of Sirik. Sick. All of its walls are reinforced, and parts of the central keep were replaced with new towers and rooms, like the central chapel to Sirik and its attendants' rooms. Much of its once white stone exterior has turned gray over the centuries, and Sirists have added a layer of soot and ash to 
external surfaces to darken the building and blend it in with the hills. This was meant to be a temple to Bane, but the blood madness of Dark Master Telvon Bloodshoulder and his support of the Bane death converted many to Sirius' side. Those who did not convert became sacrifices. Watchful Skull Tynus Argrim visited and traitorously slew his host, the priest of the Dark Rebound. Tynus then put a loyal, cruel, and overzealous priest named Dark Master Krivar in charge of the Dark Rebound. Under Krivar's leadership, the Dark Rebound's faithful are now military and religiously fit, and they could easily challenge one of the hill forts for control of the hills. So the Dark Rebound. Yeah, this place is wild. <laughs> yeah when it was Siric. it was like it's a temple to Siric. i was like oh sick and then it's like but before it was a temple of bane and it's like oh okay so it's just always been evil yeah exactly but the so bane death i think if i read it correctly is where they want like to kill pretty much the like suicide through all the followers um in order to honor bane and the people were like nah <laughs> converted to Siric. <laughs> nah we like Siric now all my homies like Siric but uh one of my favorite things about D&D is Dark Master Telvon Bloodshoulder yeah did he just go this is my name I might as well embrace it and become a <laughs> temple I might as well become you know a high priest of Siric my name's Bloodshoulder I was kind of born into this no I feel like um, they picked it all <laughs> who's, the, who's the other one uh Watchful Skull I guess that's a title actually but yeah yeah so that's the thing is they I don't know about Cyric. Yeah. You know the Lathanderites? They do? They do. <laughs> this is why they're all named like Baron Sun Morning Fire. <laughs> At a certain stage in the religion, they're given the opportunity to change their name. That's great. Which is why their names are all thematically appropriate. Not. Yeah. They weren't born with a name and went, huh, my name would fit the church. I'm going to convert. No, they changed their name. So I'm wondering if this guy changed his name. Bloodshoulder, maybe his name before was like Telvon Goodberry. <laughs> and he was like, I am not inspiring fear. I love to like, yeah, Bloodshoulder. It's like, it's the level of name that like a mall goth would pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like um, a really ridiculous like Viking stereotype, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, oh, that's so funny. What made him pick blood shoulder? Was he just like bleeding on the day that his name change ceremony happened? He got a little cut on his shoulder and he's like, ah, there's blood on my shoulder. Blood shoulder. (gasps) I will shoulder the burden of blood. The, The watchful skull who visited and killed Telvon was from the Twin Towers of the Eternal Eclipse. Sick title. Great name. Situated deep within the peaks of the Small Teeth and flanking the tradeway, the Twin Towers of the Eternal Eclipse cannot be seen from the road. In fact, not even the sun touches these slim edifices as they are built so that the dense trees, mountains, and the like block sunlight from them. All that is revealed to the sky is a bronze disc the size of a shield with Cyrix mark on it and the darker areas and tarnished silver pretty sweet one of these is atop each five-story tower the towers though separated by five miles are connected through underground and twisting tunnels sick yeah so there's two temples of Cyric, one in the small teeth and one here in tiarn pretty sweet yeah Cyric's got Cyric again is like lies and deceit yeah right he's the yeah, one that so. um killed mistra exactly right and then uh and then he tried to become the god of magic and just utterly failed right Right, right, right. He, he caused the spell plague. He caused the spell plague. Okay, yeah, that is Cyric. So, yeah. Because he was like, I'm going to kill Mistra, and then, of course, shit just hit the fan. Right. So everyone started, like, all the gods then started hating Cyric. <laughs> you messed up, Cyric. He tricked another god into helping him, too, and I think killed him. He's also the reason why um, the maimed god, Torm, 
maybe I, th- I think it's Torm. It's one of the three paladin gods, you know, Torm, Tyr, and Helm. Yeah. It's either Tyr or Torm, known as the maimed god. Siric is also the reason why he is the maimed god. He didn't directly rip his arm off, but he was the one who caused the event that maimed the maimed god. So Siric's a little shit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And if you, if you, they sound like bratty, like annoying and bratty followers. Have you seen his? If you go onto the wiki page, and everyone listening to this, if you go onto the wiki page and look at the photo of Siric on his throne, he looks like a little fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love his picture. He's great. Just look like the most I fucking love Siric. <laughs> most annoying. Yeah. I mean, he's like evil Loki. Yeah, yeah, he's like, like evil Loki. Loki's supposed to be like Loki with no, yeah, with no saving aspects. Yeah. Finally, in the hills are the Skull Nasher Giants. Due to Om's Council's refusal to reinforce the Torbold Hill fort hill giants have been a threat in the central tiarn hills for over a dozen years each time the soldiers of the fort defeat the giants the tribe retreats into the well-hidden tunnels or goes farther west in the foothills near brost or the small teeth there they raise more children or draft other hill giants into the skull nasher tribe which has lately absorbed two other giant tribes that once stalked the small teeth chief feduk of the skull dashers is a major ally of the ogre magi of the thalassian empire under the small teeth his primary job is to harass and distract the hill forts so the humans ignore the greater threats building in the mountains he and his giants have grown tired of this game however and they itch to get into a massive fight which the ogre magi promise is imminent so um ogres and giants yeah ogres and giants messing things up i like this alms council refusal to deal with it i think maybe om is playing a game where they're like well hill giants are the best defense against the tetherian army we can hope for yeah let's just let them carry on they're near brost who gives a yeah exactly exactly let them mess up brost and then they don't mess up us and that's fine like, I really like you know. Fedic Fedic Skullnasher. You you know Hill Giant name. Yeah. <laughs> you know he didn't change his name to Skullnasher, like the Syrac guy. You know he was born to that name and went, no. I will live up to this great <laughs> title. I will gnash the skulls. <laughs> he uh I love this idea of his primary job, just harass and distract. That's great. Well, yeah, these ogre magi are doing some cool stuff. We'll talk about it after Brost. Maybe is it the Because we gotta get to Brost. Ogre Wars. Yeah. Bross is along the map, not past the Forest of Tithir, but just off of it, kind of right in the middle. It's like north of the Forest of Tithir. Exactly. Bross is a small way station and trading post on the northern edge of the Forest of Tithir. It is also connected by a well-traveled trail to the Tithir Road, just to the north. So it is actually like just off the Tithir Road. You'd actually have to take a second to get off it. While most older natives enjoy the idyllic peace and their alliance to the elves of the Weldath, the young are leaving Bross in droves and heading to the south to the cities. Outsiders see Bross as pleasant and friendly. So, yeah, it's a small town that's kind of losing its younger population because no one really wants to be there. Understandable. Yup, classic, classic. Yeah. I want to be gay. All of you aren't cool with me being gay, <laughs> so I'm going to move to the big city. And- that's that's the tale as old as time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the it. That's Brost. Let's move on. Yeah, Brost is also well known for a variety of mushrooms that grow wild on the forest edge to the west and southwest of the town. Brost mushrooms, depending on the type, are highly prized by the gourmets, alchemists, magical researchers, and assassins. A number of town residents hire themselves as guides, leading expeditions into mushroom country. These guides often use highly trained dogs to help sniff out the specific kind of mushrooms a group is looking for. They also have peaches, wagons, saddles, local ale, and cider. You were all actually paid 
in a box of mushrooms for fixing a baby's <laughs> cradle. We were. That's where we got those mushrooms. Well, you didn't actually no, do, I didn't it. do it. Uh, Varg and Ava fixed the baby's cradle, and you were paid. They were given the option of a small amount of gold or um, a case of mushrooms, and they picked the <laughs> mushrooms. We also we got some peaches. I remember we bought from there. You did get some peaches. Yeah. Yeah. It's very funny. I like this idea. Yeah, mushrooms is big on mushrooms, and yeah, it, as I said, there's a lot of different people in this world that need mushrooms so sleepy little Good place to be sleepy little farm horse town yeah druids rangers scouts wheelwrights and brewers all share equal status here in brost but the largest buildings are the temples to mia miliki and sylvanus oakfather oakfather's glen was once a living oak but it was petrified centuries ago after the tree was carved and shaped into this temple and safehold for this faithful of Savannah's. Its stone leaves and bows still provide shade to the surrounding park and glade in the city center. The archdruid Archnold Northshield is a ranking priest of the glen and is attended by four other druids and a score of lesser attendants. So, sounds cool. This, like, petrified oak that they've made into a temple. Yeah, and it's massive. Massive. Yeah, exactly. Like, I can, I can imagine the whole temple being carved out in the in the bottom. Yeah, Varg walked past it when y'all were in Brost. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it sounds really cool. Mikiel, I don't know. Mieliki, Maliki, I don't know who Maliki is. I've always said Mieliki. Maliki? Mieliki is always what I said. The forest queen. The what? The forest queen was the neutral good goddess of autumn, druids, dryads, forests, forest creatures, and rangers. Okay, that's cool. Ranger's Refuge is a three-story manor that serves as the main temple to Maliki, as well as the town hall and central meeting hall for all the town's businesses. Within the walled courtyard is elaborate stone garden with a field of white, blue, and black pebbles Arranged like a mosaic into Miliki's symbol, Kozarkian craftsman made it over 15 years ago in thanks for a ranger having saved his life from brigands. Brigands. From brigands. So yeah, Milikian is, yeah, druids, rangers. Autumn. Autumn. And so it's like kind of, I want to be into nature, but like, can I be a bit more obscure and a bit more like indie about it? And they're like, have you tried Miliki? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would say yes, except for the fact that Mieliki is a major deity that's worshipped a lot. Yeah. Because the thing is, is autumn is also harvest. Right. But Shanti might be specifically the goddess of harvest. I can't remember. I know she's more the goddess of agriculture. But um, it's kind of like Mieliki is to autumn what Shanti kind of is to spring. I think. Right, right. If you want to be the god of nature, but orange and wear a pointy hat. <laughs> you got some Maliki going on. You're like, I'm the god. I worship the goddess of Halloween. <laughs> but like the pumpkin, the pumpkin leaves falling part of Halloween. Uh, Axel Wagons and Caravans, this warehouse and, uh, and wheelwright's workshop. Its owner enjoys his craft and creates many unique custom ordered wagons with minor touches of magic, such as plank seats comfortable as cushions. Wow. I kind of like that yeah. as like, Adding a magical effect that is, if you lived in the world, pretty great. Yeah, fantastic. But in actual in, in actual gameplay, is like eh. yeah. the Whippoorwill <laughs> is an inn that has recently been repaired and refurbished after a fire destroyed its old site. The food is exceeded only by the fare found in Esmalteran's finest sceneries, but it is of decidedly northern bent rather than the local cuisine. He is taking great pride in his inn's quiet reputation for quality food and lodgings in this isolated area. The Oak Barrel Tavern is the local's tavern of choice, though it is friendly enough for caravan travelers. This tavern is attached to the Oak Barrel Brewery, which sells beers and ales to caravans running north or east. So, 
Got some taverns around. A little sleepy, nice little taverns. Good food. Good food, quality food. Like, yeah, Brost is very, eh, it's it's a very good small town. Like, we stopped over there for, like, a night. I think it's, like, a nice place if you want to be from a small town that, like, and you want to be, say, a ranger or someone, a half-elf or something like that. It'd be a good, like, kind of quiet town to be from for that. Yeah, if you're just, like, I just want a small town vaguely near where the campaign takes place yeah you could pick you could pick brost you'd have a little bit of quarks you'd know a lot about mushrooms maybe yeah i was gonna say if you want to be a well-adjusted circle of spore druid (laughs) you're like no i'm actually pretty okay and like not a weirdo that lives out in like the swamp you'd be like yeah i grew up i used to be a tour guide (laughs) exactly a mushroom tour guide Maybe maybe you're maybe you're an awakened mushroom from Bros. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be very funny. An awakened mushroom spore druid. One of the uh, priests of Sylvanas accidentally awoken to you and was like, "Well, fuck." And then when the thirty days was up that you had to stay with him, you were like, "I'm gonna leave." I'm just gonna go see the world. I'm wondering what <laughs> what it's like. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave and see what's up with all the rest of the Mykonids. Maybe find out about this uh, Zugtmoy Mykonid god. And then you find out about Zugmoy the Mykonid god, and you're just like, nope, 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 never nope, mind. Nope, nope. <laughs> Why did you awaken me into this nightmare? Brost is named for its first settler, a woodsman and hunter named Kalad Brost, early in the Lion's Dynasty. After years as a hunter's lodge, it became a caravan stop, of small farms popped up around it. Isolated and relatively autonomous. Brost is like many self-sufficient small towns further north, though its isolation is less now than its new with its new closer ties to the elven duke who represents it at court. A few years after the fall of the House of Tithir, Bross citizenry briefly considered separating from Tithir and becoming an Omnian city. While the political boundaries were more feasible, Bross was little true value to Om, save as another caravan stop. The Council of Six and a number of powerful merchant families rejected the proposal, and Bross remained an isolated Tithirian outpost. Over the past ten years, some merchants of Brost have cultivated small trade relations with Elmanas elves, trading forged metal weapons and some foodstuffs for rare herbs and other elven items from the forest. These relations have served to make Brost a stepping stone for human elf to, uh, relations into Thier. So I like this idea of Brost being kind of a nothing place. Like, not even, the uh, alms, like, we don't even want you. <laughs> I was like, we don't give a shit about you. But then it kind of getting maybe famous recently for being like a hub for like elves are living there and trading there and like. It's it's more connected to the forest. I like this idea of it, that being its niche. Yeah, they chill with the elves. Exactly, they chill there. Maybe if you're an elf from Tithir or in that area, like it's because you're from Brost or you grew up in Brost. Like I think that's a cool idea. Pretty cool. Maybe you're like an elf from the Weldath who went into Brost one day to do some trading. And you met a caravan person that was like, oh, the world, the world out there is so cool, you know? All you've seen is a little forest. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. What? what? And that's why you're adventuring? Yeah, that could be really cool. Or they, yeah, yeah. Maybe, like, you went to Brost and some caravaner hired you as a guard. And you just, like, weren't actually there to do that. Like, you were there just to buy some fucking swords for your duke. And you were just, like, impulse control bad, except. And now you're just, like, an adventurer. And you're like, yeah, my family probably thinks I'm dead. I haven't talked to them. I kind of just, like, on impulse accepted this deal to, like, guard a caravan. And then now, you know, I'm helping y'all fight an elder evil. 
what if you play um, a good drow that was born there and you are trading with the people, some caravan in Brost and they're like, evil drow. And you're like, what? And then you start to learn about the rest of your people by traveling. From there. That'd be pretty cool. That could be cool. Maybe they're like evil drow and they run you out and you're like, well, shit, I'm lost now. Yeah. Yeah. Then you start traveling with a group. Yeah. That could be cool. Could be cool. Okay, so now it's time to talk Silesian Empire. After 14 years of careful planning and training troops, the so-called Silesian Empire attacked Om during the internal disarray in 1370 DR. Two ogre magi are the heart of the Silesian Empire. They have collected, controlled, and trained not only kobolds, goblins, but ogres and hill giants as well, and hobgoblins and underdark tribes. By late summer of the year of the tank card, 1370 DR, the humanoids' forces include 30,000 kobolds, 24,000 goblins, 10,000 hobgoblins, 47 hill giants, 4,800 ogres, as well as the Syric followers mentioned in the two hilled areas. Damn. That is an insane amount. That is a huge amount. That's a, that's a huge force. Scythalus, the male ogre mage, and his wife, Zai Vesni, have done their best to forge an army that any country would fear and few could defeat. Oh, that's cute that it's a husband and wife thing. That's nice. <laughs> they waited for Om's armies to march away from the small teeth and have the country distracted by looming war with Tithir. The forces attacked and held Esbald Terin with attention drawn away from their real target, Moran, and its ships filled with gold. Okay, so I'll take time to say that if you look at the map of the region in 2E and wonder why we didn't cover trade meat on the road to Tithir, it's because trade meat doesn't exist anymore. It's completely destroyed right. by these forces. So yeah, this this is crazy. They, they made this huge army they waited until uh Ryativin leaving and Trailsa leaving Om caused this like war to bubble up and them to like start amassing forces on each other's borders because they were mad about this succession and then attacked yeah super cool much smarter than you expect from hill giants and ogres and seeing as those are both giant creatures that are considered stupid yeah these magi seem to be like a, a different class a different class of ogre yeah i like the idea too of like ogre or like orc mages i've always loved that although i will say that just judging by the map yeah i i'm no war tactician but esmilteran is considerably far away from moran yeah no but that's why they did it was they took esmilteran with one force so that Om would send all of its forces there and then went to moran right 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 that makes sense and their territories in the small teeth between all the rest of Om and Moran. So they were already cutting them off. Right, right. Like they just sent a small dispatch to Esmeltaren. Yeah, a small dispatch of, let's say, 5,000 hobgoblins, <laughs> 12,000 <laughs> goblins. <laughs> just a small one. <laughs> it's a, such a, it's a huge amount. Yeah, it's huge. And they're like disjointed races. It's really cool. Yeah. So in the end, was this successful? Well, in 4E, there's mention of... In the south of Om lies the monster kingdom of Muradin, comprising the city of Muran, the Small Teeth, and portion of northern Weldath and the eastern Dragonheads Peninsula. This realm isolates the independent Duchy of Valen from the rest of Faerun and exacts tolls on all traffic along the tradeway. Marauders from Muran roam all nearby lands. Slavery is common here. The monstrous conquerors of the city enslaved thousands of Omnians back in 1370s, and many of the descendants of those unfortunate still serve ogres orcs and bandits of the area a 
human in Muradin can easily fight his way out of slavery if he's willing to show the orcs and ogres he's a mean, nasty, and tough as they are. <laughs> orcs and ogre chieftains, as well as black-hearted human bandit lords, maintain scattered strongholds and keeps here. Although they are theoretically subjected to the dictates of the kingdom's leaders, the Great Mur, in finding feuds are common. No, yeah, the Monster Kingdom? Yeah, the Monster Kingdom. Yeah, it's cool. It's rare that you, uh, I mean, we say it's rare, but then there's the fucking yuan city. Yeah, and like, I'm a believer of, of orcs are kind of given a bad rap and they're not as like uncivilized as we talk about. So I like this idea of like, it is a functioning country. It has slavery. Yeah, they might be a bit more violent, but like they have towns, they have strongholds. Like this is a place of culture of that has, I guess, infrastructure and runs, but it's run by ogres and orcs. Not to, I mean, if we go off just this lore though, yeah. and I know this can be said about everyone, including humans, seeing as a lot of the lore of this game is humans came in and built a settlement on top of an old dwarven or elvish settlement. But yeah. I mean, while everything you did say is true, just reading this, I mean, they're living in the infrastructure they stole from people they murdered <laughs> and enslaved. So like, it's not like yeah. they built their own city here. Yeah. Um, so it's, 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 but while it is painting them in a light of more intelligence than we usually see, it is not painting them in a light any less barbaric. Than we usually no, see. no. I'm, but I'm just saying that like you could you could come up with a really interesting thing of like what does Moran look like now that like it has that Kalimshanite history that has that Omnian kind of architecture. But what does it look like now with this like orcish walls or ogre like you know strongholds? Like do they how do they decorate the walls or fix the holes that they made? Like I think that'd be really interesting. Yeah, no, it's super it's super cool. I think it's a it's a super cool area, and I like the idea of a monster kingdom. Also, I think just a quick. Little aside i won't get into it all like i've done before but i think this is why if you ever are on the wiki page or read any lore about the nilanther isles it always says the pub it's just pirates outside moran and velen the population of the pirates there is always like the pirates the population is 50 percent human and then the rest of the percent is like ogre orcs and minotaurs right and it's just like yo why are all the pirates in this area ogres orcs and minotaurs you usually don't hear about that and i think this is why yeah yeah they're from Moran. I think a lot of them turn to pirating. Well, yeah, they, they took over a huge port. They, they probably got so many boats. Yeah, exactly. It's really cool. I like the idea you could play an orc or a human even from here who maybe is more on the side of evil or at least neutral. And it's because you grew up in this place where like the strong, you had to be strong and like prove yourself. And that's why you think it's okay to do that elsewhere, you know? Yeah, it's a, good, it's a place right for a lot of backgrounds. If you want to play a orc, hobgoblin, goblin, barbarian, human, you know? Yeah, exactly. A rogue that snuck your way out in the dead of night. It's pretty cool. So the only reason that the attack stopped uh, Moran and they didn't go further is because in 1374 DR, the Tilkalis emerged from sinkholes to attack Moran and settlements in Om <laughs> and demanded repayment for the treasures plundered from Mastika. That year, Sothelis of Muradin and the Council of Six of Om declared a truce and alliance against the Tilkalis. So um, Tilkalis are scorpion folk. Yeah, if you ever thought, if you ever watched The Mummy 3, 
and at the end of it, that horrific nightmare of CGI that was the Dwayne the Rock Johnson as the Scorpion King. If you've ever seen that and went, hmm, I want to play that piece of garbage, that's what this is. <laughs> they have pretty cool heads, though. I looked them up. They have like a cool, like, almost look like a armored head. They are considerably yeah. better than those lion folk. Yeah, the Wemex. But yeah, they are. The They're centaurs, but scorpions, but scorpions, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like, it's so funny. It's like, yes, we've gotten all the monster races together to make our own kingdom and oh no what are those (laughs) (laughs) i don't where did those come from no if we will yeah they're terrifying they're they i love how they just pop up underground i also love how it kind of implies that they are from mastica yeah which i don't know if we'll ever get to mastica it is across the ocean the sea of swords yeah it is very far away. It's on most maps it is not on. Um, and it is, I don't know, where Tabaxi are from, essentially. It is as... Ah, uh, okay. So it is implying that they went dug under the ocean <laughs> and all the way over here and popped up in Moran. Yep. Which I just think is so funny. They went all the way under the ocean? <laughs> I mean, unless they, like parked their boats somewhere else but looking at these guys they don't really look at a seafaring no they really don't look like they would be hoisting any sails anytime soon (laughs) (laughs) they're like you Um, stole our gold it's like yeah i guess right (laughs) for just a slight bit of context we'll get into it in the future they um was like britain or spain in irl and got to mastica which is kind of um aztec and was just like oh shit yo look at this place we think these people are savage seeing as they look like cats and also they look like birds a bunch of the animal races and they were like huh let's um create a colony here and genocide them and take all their gold and that's more or less why am is so rich okay wow there you go they just they colonized mezteca they got a monopoly on the trade to mezteca yeah and they were like cool and fcatla is famous for how many colonies they have and that's also why tabaxi and stuff exist pretty much they took them back Interesting. Huh. That's crazy. I didn't know that, but it's also, it's so interesting. I, it's a terrible history, what happened with the the Spanish and the Aztecs. Um, But this whole area that you're talking about, it's reminded me so much of this Magic the Gathering setting where, yeah, it's pirates who are orcs and minotaurs and humans and then an Aztecian island. But the Aztecian island, they have, they ride dinosaurs and it's all dinosaur based. (laughs) And the Spanish people in that one, the Spanish uh, analogs, are vampires they're a they're a holy order of vampires that believe that they're cursed for their sins and so they're looking for this special relic to cure them of their uh evil curse that they think is in this aztecian land yo that's kind of wicked yeah (laughs) there is the jungles of chult are also quite Aztecian. Right. Um, they're kind of a mixture of there's some African and some Aztec stuff going on down there. And Am um, actually does have a colony down there, just like Spain and Southern America. Man, Am's um, colonizing everywhere. Chult and Mezteca um, kind of play the realm of North and South America in terms of that. But yeah, that's just a little contest of why these scorpion folk are so right. pissed off at that arm. Um. Yeah, Tim Collis are very cool, though, like, as enemies. Maybe not to play, but, terrifying. but yeah, as enemies, I think that's a really interesting thing to throw at people. They're they're really scary. They're also, like, burrow speed, I would imagine. Yeah, and they're Which, Things with burrow speeds are, yeah, okay, average height is 6 feet, yeah. and average length is 14 feet. 14 feet? That's so Yeah, long. these things are 14 feet long. Also, ooh, this is Homelands, fair 
Charon, Maztica, Underdark, Carnivore, Activity Cycle. Any. This is from 5e I'm reading here. So they must be, and there's a 5e photo. I wonder what book they're in. Yeah, yeah I don't think I've seen them. Yeah, I, I remember reading they, they, they go the Underdark. I think that's how they got to, um, is they went through the Underdark. Yeah, that makes sense. I just didn't think the Underdark, like, went under the ocean. They found a way. Oh, they're in, um, is this not an L? Oh, it isn't. Um, they are in, they have a language, their own language. They're in Volo's Guide to Monsters. That makes sense. Oh, okay. They're, these things are terrifying. Yeah, they're terrifying. <laughs> okay, I, that's a good place to end it. Yeah. If you want to play Dwayne the Rock Johnson or fight <laughs> in the one movie, The Scorpion. The Scorpion King. But okay, but real quick before we end, yeah, what, uh, any ideas of like a character you run here um, or, or we haven't really talked too much about like uh, what, what kind of like thing we would have happen here. I love this monster kingdom. It's still, I mean, it never fell apart as far as 5e is concerned. So it still could be there. Yeah, I mean, Moran's still a thing if we do a quick yeah I mean the thing about this place is that roast is boring like it's just it's it's boring okay so yeah I mean that'd be cool I think it'd be really cool to send people to like I think this would be a really cool stop in a campaign Moran just like yeah. you know a stopover city where everything's like whoa what the fuck we have to hang out with a bunch of ogres and stuff you know I think that's really cool otherwise Brost is boring yeah. Brost is just a little <laughs> stopover town where people get to your party gets to stock up on food and water maybe have a bed to rest in for the night if you've got one character that loves creature comforts they can be very happy about that i think a good character if you want just you know the plain city i'm from background like a lot of people want brost is the perfect unassuming place to make your average adventurer where your backstory is and there's nothing against this we had Zephni, great character, just was like, point me to a sleepy city on the map and I'm from there. And if you want that, Brost is perfect. If you want to be from a sleepy city on the map that can still provide some character quirks like mushrooms, right. I think any monster race would be perfect from this area. You know, whether you are bored of living in a city of monsters and you're a hobgoblin or you're upset that you're not conquering anymore. Mm-hmm. So you want power, so you've left. Or you don't like your history, and you're like, I feel bad. I'm going to leave. Or maybe your family was killed by the Tlincalis. Right. And you uh, had to run away. You didn't want to be a slave to scorpion folk. Or you're a pirate from Moran. Right. Yeah, great. Great one. If you want to be some sort of paladin or a cleric of Cyric, great place to be from. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, oh, if you want to be a, the character I've been wanting to make for so long, a paladin of an evil god like Cyric or Bane or Asmodeus, you could be a paladin from of Cyric. And you tell everyone, you're, it's Cyric's the god of treachery. You're a paladin. You tell everyone, I'm a paladin of Lathander or I'm a paladin of Hell. I'm a paladin of Shanti. Yeah, cool. Harvest? Sure. I'm all about that. And then the second they turn around, you're like, murder civilian, murder civilian, murder civilian. What? No. <laughs> I'm the paladin of Lathander. I would never murder civilians. You guys missed the vampire. We have to go catch the vampire. <laughs> when you do when you do a smite, it's just like fabulous dark skull energy and purple and everyone's like, Hey, what was that about? Like, what? 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 Oh no, that was um you don't understand, is instead of killing people with the holy light, I am siphoning energy from the darkness and using that <laughs> so that it all gets used up and all that will be left is Lathander's light. You, you don't see when I when I hit <laughs> the person that was evil coming out of them (laughs) exactly i think a great place to be an evil paladin from yeah great that's actually i would either go with pirate or evil paladin if i was making someone from here yeah pirate's a very cool one nearly every square inch of land along the tithia road between tremi and moran and north for two miles is owned by one merchant family the ali bakars 
The land is parceled out into sectors and separated either by hedgerows or vineyards. Much of it is left for dry grazing lands for cattle and horses, especially closer to the coast. Though the vineyards stretch for at least 20 miles west from the tradeway, the rest of the land north of the Albacar estates is likewise broken up as pastures and farmland, but that is owned by the families Zelachant, Colwyn, Glavedeg, and Bormil. So I like this. I brought this up and I like this kind of merchant family who owns a lot of land here because it's between Tremit and Muran. So at some point in that area, Muradin begins. The the monster city begins. Yeah. And so I think there could be a cool quest of like this family wanting you to liberate the ones that Muradin took or like make a deal with Muradin to allow them to start business there again. That'd be pretty cool. Tithir seems so like empty. What do you mean? I mean, it's just like so much of the description of Tithir has been like farmlands and like... Right, and caravan runs. There doesn't seem to be like that many cities very close together or anything. It seems like just a very chill place. It doesn't have uh, much going on. Yeah, I think we are, we will experience, because it's huge and this is the northern area above the Weldath and the Weldath kind of cuts to Tithir. Not even half. It cuts to Tithir completely off. So this is like yeah. a weird area of Tithir, but as we go south, we'll see more of central Tithir. Right. Because that Zespur is it, its uh, capital, and that's like very far south. So yeah, yeah I think we're just kind of getting like the weird northern. In America, if you ever go to the American states, the more south you get, the more the farmland, small and weirdly Republican it gets. And I feel like this is the north for for Tithir. Yeah. So I think we should speak uh, of Moran as a city and not just the center of the monster lands. So I'm going to talk about the Moran before the invasion. And maybe we'll talk about how like what survived, how it changed and things like that. The Sailor City. Moran is said to have sea winds for hair and salt water for blood. Money means everything to an Omnian. But the sea trade is the only thing that has meaning for a Morani. With a population of 13,000, Moran has extensive shipyards where vessels of all kinds, from private yachts to massive cargo ships and huge ships of war, are built. There are also many dry docks for repair and refitting of existing vessels. Nowhere in Om is the flavor of the sea stronger. While the port city of Afkatla is larger, it is just one feature of a diverse city. Moran's port is the heart of the city. Quick, quick rephrasing. The port of Afkatla is larger, not the port city of Afkatla. It is just one feature in a diverse city. Moran's port is the heart of the city. Omnians who crave the life of the sea don't go to Afkatla, they come here. Moran is also the home of Om's navy, such as it is. Alm expects most merchants to pay for their own private protection, but the Council of Six has allocated some funds to a small navy in the realization that with a concentrated attack, the pirates of the Nalanther can mount a challenge beyond the ability of any single private fleet to handle. The navy does not have very many ships, mostly small fast boats for pursuing the speedy pirates. So Muradin took Alm's navy, more or less. Well, I mean, Murad, from what you just said, Moran is part of Alm. It is, it is. I'm saying, but Murad, no, but this is, this is before the attack of the ogres. This is, uh, that, that was all 2E knowledge. Right. So this is like everything I'm telling and we're talking about right now right. is the past. And now Muradin runs it. I'm just talking about it as a way to let you know what's in Moran that now is controlled by ogres and orcs and evil humans. Right. It is said though that in Muradin's attack, they hired pirates from the Nelanthar to help them and in exchange gave them the boats of Moran. So I'm guessing the pirates took 
took all this the the Omni and Navy. That makes sense. But it, yeah, it must have been a huge blow for Om to lose their like major port city. Yeah, I like the idea too that maybe now the the ogres are building a fleet because they have all these shipyards. <laughs> <laughs> True, make some use of it. Yeah, I, I want to see what an ogre boat looks like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's an ogre boat? There is something called sea ogre orcs, orcs that we're going to talk about soon. That's cool. Moran is home to Om's largest alchemist guild. Morani Brig it is equal to any Cormier, Thay, or even Backwater Deep with around. Around 100 members, the guild is sanctioned by the Council of Six. All of its members are known to them. All Alchemist Guild's potions are twice the normal cost because of the rarity of local wizards. Understandably, the most frequently ordered potions is the potions for treasure finding. The guild shop buys and sells components at basic prices, but has little interest in buying most potions. So I like the idea of now the ogres owning this huge repository of alchemists and alchemist knowledge. Yeah, I mean, I think I would. I was running this. The alchemists fled and died. And now they've got this huge repository of alchemy knowledge and equipment and everything. Yeah. And the ogres and monsters are just like trying to figure it out. Like, I think that would be pretty funny. They're like, and welcome to our alchemist be guild, <laughs> best in the world. And you walk in and it's like, when you say best in the world, do you mean like your alchemists are the best in the world? They're like, well, technically we have the most knowledge and square footage and equipment. And you look over and like, you know, some ogre is trying to make a healing potion and it explodes. <laughs> uh, they send you on some sort of quest. I don't know. I think this could just be used for some pretty good comedy yeah they're they're trying to keep the alchemist guild as like the pride of moran but like none of the people who invaded are actually alchemists so they're all just trying to learn <laughs> maybe maybe now because like meridian's been a thing for a while they're like offering money to to hire alchemists to try to make it a thing again they're like yes we'll pay you come come be part of it and like you <laughs> you see the flyers as you're going through meridian <laughs> like yeah come to moran <laughs> come to moran learn the art of alchemy yeah people who already know the art of alchemy strongly advised to come to exactly there's but one thieves guild in moran and all om but rogues from other ports are always arriving at least a hundred shadow thief agents stay near the docks watching for new arrivals to attempt a heist the agents promptly introduce all detected thieves to the law of the land. Join the Shadow Thieves or die. Most choose to join. Though they are part of the Shadow Thieves, Moran's Bilge Rats act as a guild of their own. Their main guild hall is on the wharf with secret tunnels in the cellars leading to seven different safe houses should trouble arise. The Bilge Rats never steal well on the dry land. Their tactic is to sign up to ships in Moran, explore them completely, then carry out a theft just as the ship reaches a foreign port. The thieves then catch another ship back with his heist. The thief can be as simple as swiping part of the captain's strongbox and framing a junior officer, <laughs> or as complex as stealing ship, cargo, and crew all in one swoop. Yeah, I love the idea of stealing a crew. Yeah. Oh no, I've been stolen. <laughs> I've been stolen. Oh no, you tricky thief. I'm a deckhand. I've been stolen. Whatever will I do? <laughs> How do you steal a crew? They can just crew the ship somewhere else. I know, right? <laughs> I'm your captain now. I stole you. <laughs> oh, well, I, I mean, I can't argue with that. I guess, hello, captain. The other captain comes back and is like, what are you all doing? You feckless sailors going with a new captain and they're like well i mean they stole us what, what do you expect us to do i would love to make an npc that was like the most successful or infamous bilge rat and you're like yes i've actually i've spent the last 10 years on boats because i just keep on going to different boats every time with my heist i have never once stopped <laughs> and like don't they 
ask you about all the money you bring on? No. Never. Also, though, I would never make a character from this faction because Bildrats? <laughs> Bildrats. Are you kidding me? This is the worst name I've ever heard in my life. Every Where time are the you, Bildrats? Every time you say Bildrat, I lose one of my hit die. I think the Shadow Thieves would probably still be in Meridian. They would be easier to break the law and probably want to know what's going on in that area. I mean, I can't picture them not being. They're like this huge... They're pretty much the government of Om. Yeah. So like, even if it's taken over by monsters, I can't imagine they're like CIA operatives being like, well, bye. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I do like the secret tunnels for the bilge rats, though. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, cool. If you ever need to like get one for questioning, be a cool thing to interact with. Or like maybe with the secret tunnels and secret safe houses, it's like where the resistance to the monster, the monster races is happening. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool, too. Yeah, like you join, you go into Muradin and this is where like, yeah. Well, uh, guerrilla warfare at a street level. I like honestly, from talking about this, I think I would love to do a campaign that was about Om and Tathir almost going to war and you being on either side and then Moran and Muradin either attacks or it's already there and you're trying to just bring peace between Om and Tathir so that you can then deal with the monster city. Then you can come as a united front to fight to get Moran back. And so like you do all your lower levels as like doing small quests for the governments and like building alliances and building friends to then have your higher level characters and all the like people who trust you and like friend NPCs to then attack Moran. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I think it'd be a really good fight. Big big siege. Big siege and they have ogres and priests of Sarek and hobgoblins and goblins. Ah, oh, it'd be so cool. Yeah, pretty cool. So uh, now we're on the tradesway. So we're going south now to Mossstone. Were it not for the high walls around the settlement, the surrounding trees and limited amounts of dappling sunlight shining through the trees, Mossstone could appear to be a caravan's town like Cremor to the north. However, while caravans and the tradeway provide many a Mossstone with a livelihood, the people place more importance on living in harmony with nature and the elves than they do on making money or getting a caravan through on time. Impatient caravan merchants see this as lackadaisical, but they soon realize that turning up the tradeway through the forest is not the way to arrive safely in Alm. Many caravans are harried back to Mossstone by the threat of elves when they stop at the wrong spot or make the mistake of lighting fires within Tithir. Caravan masters coming from the north welcome the sight of the Weldath as a sign of relief from the tolls in Muradin. They view the sun-dappled gates of Mossstone as the first real shelter along the road after trials of that monster-infested land. I like Mossstone as this like border region between two wildly different experiences. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I immediately gravitate towards making Mossstone insufferable. <laughs> in in the vein of because of the description here, they really seem like, you know, modern day hippies that are like, oh my god, I bake stuff on Etsy and like I live in the forest and like I'm totally not a part of capitalism. <laughs> right. Well you make your money through you make your money through capitalism and you have a day job at McDonald's. Yeah, but actually like life is just about hanging out and chilling. It's like, yeah, but you afford the chilling on your dad's $100 million he made through, like, exploiting laborers and the business he owns. Yeah, but, like... No. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they seem like to me, you know? This group of people that are like, no, we're totally not a caravan city. What are you talking about? We're totally not all about trade. And it's like, well... No. It's like, we're all about nature and elves and just loving one another. Well, how do you make your money? Well, through caravan and trade routes. But but you're not a caravan city? No, no, no. Free love. <laughs> but f- free love paid for by the caravan. Yeah, well, we don't like to talk about that. Free love in 
nature. <laughs> that's definitely how I would make moss stone. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> no, we're totally not part of the greater caravan whole trade system. No, nature. No, we're not. Like, don't think of us as a caravan stop. Think of us as a place, a part of the forest you can live in. Don't think of us as a caravan stop. Think of us as a place where you can stop and, like align your chakras and charge your crystals <laughs> for a cost you have to pay to do that most people here make their living working in services that <laughs> cater to merchant traffic see yep see <laughs> see <laughs> we're totally not a caravan city they all place great importance on living in accord with the surrounding forest and the elves of Weldap. I love them to be like, I just care so much about the elves of Weldap. Have you ever met one? No. I just care about it. They're just so important. Oh, geez. <laughs> this is because druids maintain a powerful circle here, ruled by the archdruid of Mossstone, whose grove surrounds a great oak of Mossstone. The town is ruled by consensus, and the townsfolk watch out for the needs of their fellows with generosity unheard of in most lands. Mossstone is unique in that it recognizes no immediate central authority and is governed by a compact of the townspeople and druids. The communal nature of the town allows when the wall around the town needs repairs, those with skills to do so repair it. In exchange for their services, which everyone knows of, given in the small town, in exchange for these services, other merchants and business donate free goods or other services to those working for everyone's aid. Of all the settlements in Tithir, Mossstone is like the original clan of colonies of Tithir's early years, where everyone was treated as kin. This Wow, the, yeah, this is real. This is real hippie. I would play this as insufferable, just like we were saying, yeah. you know, insufferable hippies that act like they're outside of capitalism, even though they're making their money off dad, even though they're living their free love lifestyle off dad's piggy bank. But that, but as a cult. Right, yeah. Like, just make them, like, super culty. And this the, this arc druid of Mossstone, is just a cult leader yeah. and like maybe other druids don't like this arc druid because they're like yeah he's technically a druid but have you met that guy it's like he's he's he says free love and community and he says he loves the forest and he says no you know industrialization because he's a druid <laughs> but he pays for everything off the back of caravans <laughs> he still runs a caravan city he'll tell you it's not you know play it as like some uh you know like what is it called the like housewives uh, like a like a cult a cult of hippies yeah like a manson cult i think yeah like i think it'd be really interesting too if you're playing up the cult <laughs> thing of like it says yeah these people help and they give free things to see like this person working They're like yeah i'm working this like back breaking grueling job like i'm doing like i don't know redoing the roads and stuff and yeah i, I don't get paid and yeah like they expect me to do it every day or else i get whipped but like it's just because like if anyone else was asked they would do it too it's all part of the community we all put in our, our our best effort to keep everything running smoothly everyone gives and everyone takes and it's the happiest life you'll ever run into twitch 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 yeah and like all the druids are like fat yeah. <laughs> and happy and like never do any work and they're like no we're keeping the harmony of the forest that's what we're doing and they're like behind our walls laden with gold and the nicest houses yeah <laughs> we're totally part of the forest behind our walls exactly and like every time you talk to someone it's like so is there any like troubles going on troubles in moss stone oh you would never hear of that the druids keep us safe we're part of the forest behind the walls oh man <laughs> Maybe, maybe the arch druid is actually like a shape-shifting uh, oni 
Can they shapeshift? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, is a shapeshifting Oni from Muradin. That was like, oh, like he was sent or they were sent to to conquer Monsto. And they're like, oh, I don't need to conquer this place. I could just brainwash these idiots. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. I mean, maybe Murindin, Yeah. <laughs> maybe Murindin is like pissed off about that. Like he kind of seceded, created his own little cult. He was supposed to fold it into Murindin, And instead he was just like, cult time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Like Apocalypse Now. <laughs> like Apocalypse Now, yeah, exactly. <laughs> American soldier, Murindin soldier, starting his own weird cult. The Archdruid's Grove is not a simple clearing among the trees of the forest. Resting outside the walls of Mostone proper, the grove is marked by a wide clearing ring uh, by shadow-topped trees of immense size. Within are three buildings and four specific places of note. The largest building is a stone building where the Archdruid of Mostone lives. It has living quarters for the Archdruid and a small staff and a large meeting hall, and thus it is often used for Mostone's town meetings. Smaller wooden buildings are the secondary library of the Druids of Mostone and a small seminary for training students. The final area of note is a monstrous oak at the center of the grove, which is also the secondary temple and worship place for the Druids of Mostone. Legend has it each archdruid near the day of their death either wanders into the forest to become an oak within the old oak dell, or they become part of the great oak at the archdruid's groves. So, like, aside from our whole weird cult thing, which this I feel could still be played into. Yeah. You know, like you were saying, the druid's like some guy um, taking advantage of everyone through his cult ways, living in his stone manor among beautiful trees with his private library. But that aside, I really like this depiction of a druid as having... It's a weird depiction of a druid. He lives in a stone house with a staff. Exactly, with a staff. He has he has servants. Like, you always think of a druid as, like, nomadic, or if not nomadic, you know, sage of a tribe, the tribe's elder. You know, you never picture a druid as just, like, a... This guy is kind of painted here as, like, just your average everyday noble. Yeah, exactly. He's pretty much a noble. He has a staff. He has a manor. He has his own library. I mean, there's four buildings there. He has his own compound. Yeah, and they train students so like maybe he trains other people in his like strange druid ways and like the less i guess like aerocratic like aristocratic druid style i just like it in the sense that like if i were to run someone going to this city which you guys very well might we're in a campaign right next to it yeah true. you guys could go to mirandin it's looking like you'll go to velen instead but you could go to boat i suppose yeah, well um, if, we, if we don't go by water we have to go through mirandin to get to velen it's true but if regardless of all that if I was playing in a campaign and someone like wanted to play a druid but yeah. really didn't like the flavor of druid and like we're putting up a lot of force against the idea of a more civilization-oriented druid because, you know, the flavor and the lore isn't that and that doesn't exist in the worlds and you can't tell me otherwise and it's really making me not want to play druid even though I really like the class features, you could point them towards this druid. Yeah, true. And be like, no, here's an in-world canon druid that lives in civilization and acts like an everyday noble. And I think that's I think that's cool to be able to point a player or even a DM. If you wanted to yeah. make a druid of society and the DM was like, no, that doesn't fit the flavor and the lore of them. You could point them towards this dude. Point them this guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think this druid's really interesting of like, if it doesn't talk about his personality, but I, I can imagine with the way he's living is like one who's trying to modernize 
recognize druid practices and is like we need the times are changing we need to stop being hermits we need to grow together we need to train each other and is like kind of like the more practical like we need to look at the future i'm not talking about completely abandoning the forest i'm talking about working with it together and this being this kind of like radical new new type of druid books yo yeah exactly write things down (laughs) don't just tell squirrels (laughs) okay this is very funny Uh, there's a few ends and smithies here but as to be expected but there's one thing i had to share the dryad's dream is the sole fest hall in moonstone and it is still considered to be one of the most relaxed inns by the locals the warb well kept and seamless decor of wood shaped into stools chairs and tables and booths is inviting to all the three living trees which grow to form both the ceiling and first floor and the bar on the main floor allegedly have dryads sleeping within them the owner's nine daughters all dress as dryads while working so first off there's dryads just hanging out in this fest hall second it's a family business yeah okay like <laughs> what i went to that too it's just this 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 guy was just like ah what kind of <laughs> what kind of commodity and resource do i own nine daughters hmm hard cut to him opening a brothel <laughs> jesus mm. come on dude <laughs> right this is this is once again insane like culty feels of like oh yeah that guy just like you know has a fest hall with his daughters and they're giving the to the community they're giving in the community it's the only the only thing i have to offer my nine daughters ew Ew. yo this place is this place is not what it claims to be the dryad stream it's so like that too is like it's still built out of out of trees they built it out of trees like the elven settlements and it's a brothel right they just they this is a city to me that is uh, as we've been saying it's like a city of people who really really wish they were elves of the Weldath. yeah but they yeah. just they just can't quite do it they just can't they, exactly. they, they can't give up their creature comforts their human <laughs> their society comforts they really want to but they just refuse to, so they just pretend they have and act like they're part of the well dad. That, okay, that just gave me another idea. Uh, we talked way back in Termish of like a tourist stop. What if this is like the tourist just stop that you go to to see the well dad if you're like from the, the and it's like, <laughs> yeah. they have like elven plushies and they have like, get your own elf ears <laughs> and like. <laughs> Here you get the real well dad experience. Exactly. <laughs> like, for a fraction of the cost. And when we mean fraction of the cost, we mean it's thousands of gold but the, you won't die and they say um actually in in something i didn't add that there's a lot of people here who make their living off of with servicing the caravans is that they're guides right. through the forest they're guides and like rangers and so like they're the guides are like give me a hundred gold and i'll take you and your young your noble children out there and you'll sleep in a real elven tree fort or something oh look a goblin attack <laughs> How exciting for you all. Real well death stuff. And then they like, they like secretly are slipping. They have another guy like paying it. And like, you know, after the attack, when everyone's asleep, you've got the ranger and like the three goblins sitting around the fire. And the ranger's like, that was real good acting out there, Bob. You really sold the uh, goblin attack feel to those guys. And Bob's like, yeah, I'm just really getting into character lately. You know, that your finishing move with the axe. I'm just really leaning into the idea that it kills me. (laughs) 
He points it to the distance. Look there. It's one of the rare centaurs of the Weldath. And it's a dude who has like <laughs> pieces <laughs> sewn together. Two, two guys in a horse costume. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why don't I yeah, get they, to be the they, guy who stands up? <laughs> yeah, after the people leave, it's just like, when are you going to shove your face in my ass, Bill? <laughs> also very good. <laughs> Uh, when are you when are you gonna shove your face in my ass bill shut up kent i do that every night when we go home <laughs> uh, i love this place yeah and the, the dryads dream the actual dryads living in the forest are living in the trees it's like they've cast presentation to make like i know a dryad sound every so often <laughs> uh a ridiculous place this is ridiculous it's, it's, uh, at least it's just not it's like it's a weird caravan stop i like that that's it for our journey today. Make sure that you pay a goblin guide through Muradin so that your things aren't stolen over the night. Next episode, we'll cover Zaspir. Thank you, Lily, for joining me. Yeah. Thank you for the amazing cover art. Yeah. You can check out Lily's art at heck at Instagram and Blood and Dust for the theme music Around the Fire. You can find them on Bandcamp. Links in the description of the episode. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And have a great long rest. Bye.